This is the day that the Lord has made. We shall rejoice and be glad in it. Hi, my name is Dr. Lou Diaz, pastor of Butte Bible Fellowship located at 2255 Pillsbury Road in Chico. And I'm providing inspirational teaching for you from God's Word each week. Listen to my weekly radio program, Encouraging Words with Dr. Lou Diaz, at 10 a.m. on Saturday or 10 a.m. on Sunday. If you would like to hear my current message series, you may call Butte Bible Fellowship at 530-892-0521. Today's message, The Scarlet Thread Running Through the Bible, as we springboard from Joshua chapter 2. And we're going to be talking about the scarlet thread running through the Bible. Here is Russ Brinkley. Good morning, everyone. Please turn in your Bibles with me today to Joshua chapter 2. And we ask that the Lord may richly bless us as we read through his word. Then then Joshua, son of Nun, secretly sent two spies from Shittim. Go, look over the land, he said, especially Jericho. So they went, and they entered the house of a prostitute named Rahab, and stayed there. The king of Jericho was told, Look, some of the Israelites have come here tonight to spy out the land. So the king of Jericho sent this message to Rahab, Bring out the men who came to you and entered your house, because they have come to spy out the whole land. But the woman had taken the two men and hidden them. She said, Yes, the men came to me, but I did not know where they had come from. At dusk, When it was time to close the city gate, they left. I don't know which way they went. Go after them quickly. You may catch up with them. But she had taken them up to the roof and hidden them under the stalks of flax she had laid out on the roof. So the men set out in pursuit of the spies on the road that leads to the fords of the Jordan. And as soon as the pursuers had gone out, the gate was shut. Before the spies lay down for the night, she went up to the roof and said to them, I know that the Lord has given you this land, and that a great fear of you has fallen on us, so that all who live in this country are melting in fear because of you. We have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt, and what you did to Sihon and Og, the kings of the Amorites east of the Jordan, whom you completely destroyed. When we heard of it, our hearts melted in fear, and everyone's courage failed because of you. For the Lord your God is God in heaven, above, and on earth below. Now then, please swear to me by the Lord that you will show kindness to my family, because I have shown kindness to you. Give me a sure sign that you will spare the lives of my father and mother, my brothers and sisters, and all who belong to them, and that you will save us from death. Our lives for your lives, the men assured her. If you do not tell what we are doing, we will treat you kindly and faithfully with when the Lord gives us the land. So she let them down by rope through the window, for the house she lived in was part of the, the city wall. She said to them, Go to the hills so the pursuers will not find you. Hide yourselves there three days until they return, and then go on your way. Now the men had said to her, This oath that you made us swear will not be binding to us, unless when we enter the land 
you have tied this scarlet cord in the window through which you let us down. And unless you have brought your father and mother, your brothers, and all your family into your house, if any of them go outside of your house into the street, their blood will be on their own heads. We will not be responsible. As for those who are in the house with you, their blood will be on our head if a hand is laid on them. But if you tell what we are doing, we will be released from the oath that you made us swear. Agreed, she replied, let it be as you say. So she sent them away and they departed. And she tied the scarlet cord in the window. So there is a scarlet thread. If you look at your Bible, you may notice that the um, place marker is red. In a lot of cases, that's uh, on purpose. Because the blood of Christ is what the whole Bible points to. And it's throughout the whole Bible. It's the scarlet thread that runs through the Bible. So in Genesis chapter 3, verse 21, it says, The Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife and clothed them. You remember that Adam and Eve sinned. They disobeyed God by eating of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And in order to atone for that, God had to kill some animals to make garments to cover their nakedness. So right there in the beginning, in the book of Genesis, we already begin to see the scarlet thread of the blood of Christ. If we go all the way to the book of Revelation, chapter 19, verse 13, it says that Jesus is dressed in a robe dipped in blood, and his name is the Word of God. So he's known for what he's done for us. He has shed his blood so our sins could be washed away. They could be atoned for. They could be forgiven. In Revelation chapter 1, verses 5 and 6, it says, Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth, to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood, and has made us to be a kingdom and priest to serve his God and Father, to him be glory and power forever and ever. Amen. If it wasn't for Christ dying on the cross and his blood being shed so our sins could be forgiven, we would not only be um, not forgiven, but we would have um, a futile future. But because Christ died on the cross and his blood was shed for the forgiveness of our sins, not only are we forgiven, but we have a fertile future. That is, that we are going to be kingdom dwellers and priests to serve our God and the Lord gets all the glory. Leviticus 17.11 says, For the life of a creature is in the blood, and I have given it to you to make atonement for yourselves on the altar. It is the blood that makes atonement for one's life. So God is saying the way for two estranged parties to be made at one, atonement, at one mint, is for blood to be shed. It's only through the sacrifice of Christ that a holy God and sinful human beings can be reconciled. And the shedding of blood is pointing to the fact that Jesus gave his life. That's important because the life is in the um, the life of a creature is in the blood. So here is now the example of Rahab in Joshua chapter 2. And I'm going to use her to illustrate the fact 
that we have a very great need. And that great need is for salvation and for us to fulfill the destiny God has for us. So we're going to cover from Joshua 2 our need to be saved from danger, dread, death, and to be saved to our destiny. First of all, our need to be saved from danger as seen in the story of Rahab. In Joshua chapter 2, verses 2 and 3, it says that the king of Jericho was told, look, some of the Israelites have come here tonight to spy out the land. So the king of Jericho sent this message to Rahab, bring out the men who came to you and entered your house because they have come to spy out the whole land. So when the two spies, in obedience to Joshua, who was once a spy himself, he was among the 12 spies that first um, looked over the land of Canaan, and he and Caleb, and, um, Caleb gave a positive report, we should take the land, and the other 10 spies gave a negative report that, oh, there's giants in the land, we shouldn't do it. And having learned from that experience, Joshua sent only two spies, not 12. He sent his two best spies to, to cross the Jordan and to see this major fortified city called Jericho and to see if it was that they could uh, have victory there. And the two spies went to a, uh, an inn, a large house that was on the side of the wall, on the outside wall of Jericho of Jericho. And there was a prostitute uh, there named Rahab. And she was going to give them cover. She was going to put them under the flax on the roof. But obviously, somebody saw these two strangers. They were de dressed differently, they spoke differently, and they ratted them out to the king. Now for the king to send a message to Rahab and say, you better bring those spies out to me right away, is putting Rahab into danger. Because what will they do to someone who harbors spies in that day? Well, they'll poke out their eyes and they'll um, cut them up and they'll drag them by a horse across the town until they're dead. So... Is Rahab in danger? The answer is yes, she certainly is. And when she reports to the two spies what's going on, she says in Joshua 2, verse 11, when we heard of what had happened, how God has gone before you to give you, uh, get you across the Red Sea, which, by the way, had happened 38 years earlier, and how the Lord gave you victory over the kings of Og and Sihon, our hearts melted in fear and everyone's courage failed because of you. For the Lord your God is God in heaven above and on the earth below. My theory is that Rahab, because she had contact with strangers and others who would come into town, that she was searching for truth. And somehow, from this report of what happened, did you hear about the Israelites? They have a God 
who separated the Red Sea and two million Israelites crossed the Red Sea on dry land. Have you ever heard of such a thing? And then Sahan and Og were completely destroyed by them. And they could see the pillar of fire at night and the cloud by day. This God is the true God. Somewhere along the line, Rahab became a believer. She is confessing her faith when she says, For the Lord your God is God in heaven above and on earth below. But she's reporting to the two spies with regards to the inhabitants of the city of Jericho that they have been demoralized, that they're shaking in their sandals because of the reputation of the God of Israel. They're full of fear. Their courage is is, uh, failing them. And our need to be saved from death is seen in this, that Rahab says to the two strangers in Joshua 2, 12-14, Give me a sure sign that you will spare the lives of my father and mother, my brothers and sisters, and all who belong to me, and that you will save us from death. Obviously, she's concerned that when Israel comes to attack Jericho, Jericho is going to be destroyed by this great God, and she doesn't want to be destroyed, and she wants her family spared. And so she is appealing to them for that escape from death. So here's where the scarlet cord comes in, because the two men say in verse 18, now the men said to her, this oath you made us swear will not be binding on us unless when we enter the land you have tied this scarlet cord in the window through which you let us down. So the flax that was on the roof under which the two spies hid was to make twine, which was to make rope, and she would dye the rope red as her side business. And actually to let people know that there was something available there, kind of the red light district. But in this case, she uses this red rope to let them out because she was on the outer wall and the gate had already been closed. And the two spies get down there and they say, by the very way that you saved us, you're going to be saved because if you have this red rope hanging outside your window, when we come to attack Jericho, we will spare you and any relatives you have within your household. So this is a symbol of the blood of Christ. And we're going to see this because the scarlet thread runs through the Bible. In the beginning, we saw the animals that were killed in the Garden of Eden for garments for Adam and Eve. And then when Abraham was told to sacrifice his only son Isaac on Mount Moriah, God provided a ram whose horns were stuck in the thicket to be the sacrifice in the place of Isaac. And there again, you have the blood of Christ. And then the Passover lamb, God commanded the Israelites uh, for the 10th plague when he was going to wipe out the firstborn of all Egypt. He said, I want you to put the blood 
of a lamb on the lentils and doorposts of your homes, and any home that has that covering, when the spirit of destruction comes, he shall pass over that home and not take the life of the firstborn. And that's how we get Passover, because the spirit of destruction passes over any home that has the blood applied to it. So here again, you're seeing the blood of Christ uh, symbolically represented throughout the Bible. Then God instituted um, a sacrificial system. Anytime a person sins, they were to kill a dove or a lamb or some animal for the forgiveness of sins. And there were thousands of years of these sacrifices pointing to the ultimate sacrifice of Jesus Christ. And when Jesus Christ was here on earth, John the Baptist said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And Jesus himself, when he was on the cross, he said, It is finished. He said, Paid in full. So the shed blood of Christ makes it possible for our sin to be forgiven, and the message of the blood of Christ, the scarlet thread that runs through the Bible, is there. In Hebrews 9.22, it says very clearly, without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. But we're talking about a sinless sacrifice, Jesus Christ. He never sinned. He fulfilled all righteousness. And because he did not sin and was completely innocent, he didn't have to give a sacrifice for his sin. He could give his life as a sacrifice for all of our sin to be forgiven. Hebrews 9.12 says, Jesus did not enter by means of the blood of goats and calves, but he entered the most holy place once for all by his own blood, thus obtaining eternal redemption. Hallelujah! Isn't this good news? That Christ, his blood, makes the difference for our forgiveness. You know, one day we're going to be singing a song in heaven. Revelation 5, verses 9 to 10 tell us, and they sang a new song saying, you are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals because you were slain, and with your blood you purchased for God persons from every tribe and language and people and nation, you have made them to be a kingdom and priest to serve our God, and they will reign on earth. God not only wants to save your soul by providing forgiveness for you, he wants you to fulfill your destiny that he has for you to be a king and a, a priest reigning on the earth. So that brings us then to the story about Rahab. She was uh, struggling with um, danger of being killed by the king of Jericho. She told about the dread that the people had at the reputation of the God of Israel stomping out and conquering all their enemies for them. And she um, was wanting to be spared of death, her and her family. And the spies gave her a covenant, an oath. They said, put this scarlet red rope outside your window, and you and your family who are gathered in your house will be spared. So, what happens? 
Joshua 6 tells us what happens. We have to jump a few chapters forward from Joshua 2 to Joshua 6, and we see in verse 16 and 17, the seventh time around, when the priests sounded the trumpet blast, they had been going circling around the city of Jericho seven times, they, Joshua said, Shout, for the Lord has given you the city, and the city and all that is in it are devoted to the Lord. Only Rahab, the prostitute, and all who are with her in her house shall be spared because she hid the spies we sent. Did you know that Rahab is mentioned in the hall of faith in the Bible, in Hebrews chapter 11? In verse 30, it tells us about the walls of Jericho coming down. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell after the army had marched around them for seven days. But verse 31 mentions Rahab. By faith, the prostitute Rahab, because she welcomed the spies, was not killed with those who were disobedient. And I'll tell you a more amazing fact. Did you know there are only two women that are mentioned in the Hall of Faith, Hebrews chapter 11? The other one is Sarah. So Rahab the prophet is put on level with Sarah, the wife of Abraham, because of her faith. It doesn't matter what your background is, doesn't matter what you've done in the past, your sins can be forgiven through the shed blood of Christ. And your faith is only as good as the object in which it's placed, and if you place your faith in Jesus Christ and what he did for you on the cross, you're forgiven. And when you're forgiven, you want to act in a way that pleases the Lord and serves him. And that's why Rahab is also mentioned in the book of James. In the book of James, who's the half-brother of Jesus, he writes in the same way as Abraham, he just referred to Abraham, was not even Rahab the prostitute considered righteous for what she did when she gave lodging to the spies and sent them off in a different direction? Okay, before, in Hebrews 11, Rahab was raised to the level of Sarah. Now she's raised to the level of Abraham. So God is an equal opportunity forgiver of our sins. No matter how deep and dark the stains of your sin, they can be forgiven and washed away by the blood of Christ. But it's not just faith, it's faith in action. What did she do to show that she believed that the God of Israel was the God of heaven, and that he was truly the one God? She hid the spies. She spared their lives. She provided a way of escape for them. She acted on her faith. And James' point here is, that we're saved by faith alone, but our faith is not alone. It's accompanied by action, by obedience, by taking risks for the Lord and serving Him. So then in Joshua 6, 25, it says, But Joshua spared Rahab the, Rahab the prostitute with her family and all who belonged to her because she hid the men Joshua had sent as spies to Jericho, and she lives among the Israelites to this day. So she not only was spared, but she was brought into the family of believers there in Israel. And to say that she lives there to this day, meaning to the day of this writing, not to this day in the 21st century. 
And it gets even better because in the genealogy of Jesus, Matthew chapter 1, it says, Abraham was the father of Isaac, Isaac the father of Jacob, Jacob the father of Judah and his brothers. And then down a little ways it says, Salmon, the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab. Are you grabbing this? Rahab, who was once a prostitute, marries a Jewish man and is included in the genealogy of Jesus. The Messiah came from Rahab. And Boaz, their son, was the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth, because Rahab was an immigrant. She knew what it was like to be an outsider, and she taught her son Boaz to be sensitive to outsiders. And Boaz married an outsider, a Moabite named Ruth, and Ruth was included in the genealogy of the Messiah. And they are the parents of King David. Because the Messiah would be the son of David, from the line of David, and reign on David's throne forever and ever. Do you see the grace of God in this story? That God shows up big time not just to save Rahab, but to bring her to fulfill her destiny, to be a model of faith, to be in the lineage of the Messiah. This is powerful because it speaks of the gospel so loudly and clearly to you and me. You and I, apart from Christ, are in danger of the fires of hell. You and I should be in dread of eternal destruction. We're going to face the second death. But if we trust in Jesus Christ, whose finished work on the cross includes the shedding of his blood for the forgiveness of our sins, we're not only forgiven, we are now on the path of fulfilling our destiny to be kings and queens and priests, to serve our God and be co-regents with Christ. This is glorious. This is fantastic. Don't you know you are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for you to do? So you've not only been saved, but you've been called to His Majesty's not-so-secret service. So before we come to communion, I want to bring the message of the scarlet thread running through the Bible home to our hearts by focusing in on just a few verses about the blood of Jesus. It says in 1 Peter 1, 18 and 19, For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver and gold that you were redeemed from the empty life that you had, handed down to you from your ancestors, but you were redeemed with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. 
Colossians 1, 13 and 14. Who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. Ephesians 1, 7. In him, that is Christ, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace. 1 Timothy 2, 5 and 6, For there is one God and one mediator between God and mankind, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all people. And Isaiah 1, 18, Come now, let us settle the matter, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red as crimson, they shall be white, they shall be like wool. So, if you've not trusted in Jesus Christ, today's your day. Today's your day to say, yes, my sins are like a uh, permanent marker stain, the brightest red that's super obvious, and I want my sins forgiven. What could wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Did you know that if you looked at a red stain through a red lens, it looks white. Did you know that? So when God the Father sees your red sin through the red lens of the blood of Christ, you have a white robe of righteousness. You're forgiven, and you have received the righteousness of Christ. You can trust in Christ today and believe on his finished work on the cross and know peace with God. Do you need encouragement? I want to share my spiritual gift of encouragement with you. If you would like to hear my current message series, you may call Butte Bible Fellowship at 530-892-0521. Call Butte Bible Fellowship at 530-892-0521 to find out how you can connect with our weekly worship services and faith-building messages from God's Word.